so memorizing scriptures is a wonderful way. Now I know you could memorize scripture and be totally unspiritual and not even know God. But I think you can be spiritual and memorize scripture as well. And it's a wonderful benefit, wonderful asset in your walk with the Lord. Let's look at this in, in Mark chapter 3. We'll start reading in verse 1. And he entered again into the synagogue, and there was a man there which had a withered hand. And they watched him whether he would heal on the Sabbath day. So he's in church. He's in the synagogue, which was Sabbath day was a Saturday. And the Jews had been uh, watching him. They were looking for a means to accuse him. They were looking for a means to say, look, see, he's really not of God because he transgressed the law in some way. Just prior to this, he and his disciples on the Sabbath had been walking through a field of wheat and they were hungry. And so they plucked some of the ears of wheat and kind of picked off the seeds and ate them. I guess like we eat sunflower seeds or something. And uh, the, the, the Jews thought, he, you know, this was horrible and you've transgressed the law. And Jesus said, no, didn't you read that David, when he, he went into the, uh, the tabernacle and he, he ate the showbread, which was only lawful for the priest to eat, but he was hungry and he ate it. He said, the Sabbath was made for man and not the man for the Sabbath. So there is always a higher law than the Levitical law. It's the law of God. He would have grace and mercy. Okay, It's not discounting the law, but these Jews they were accusing Him were so caught up in the letter of the law that they missed the spirit of the law. And they certainly missed God. And Jesus even told them, you're of your father the devil. I mean, He told them that. If you'd have known Abraham, you would know Me. Because Abraham rejoiced to see My day. And, and He saw it. And so anyway, they're looking for another accusation against him. He goes in and they watched whether he would heal. There was a man which had a withered hand. Verse 2, they watched him whether he would heal on the Sabbath day that they might accuse him. And he saith unto the man which had the withered hand, stand forth. And, the, and he said unto them. So he tells the man to stand up. Then he looks at the people, the Jews. Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath days or to do evil? To save life or to kill. But they held their peace. And when he had looked round about on them with anger, the Bible says Jesus said, Be angry and sin not, right? We can be angry at sin and yet not sin ourselves. And this is what Jesus was doing. Being grieved for the hardness of their hearts, he said unto the man, Stretch forth thine hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored whole as the other. Now, that, that account was given in three of the four Gospels. Now, I think any time the Lord repeats something like that, it's, it's obviously all the Word of God's important, but like the parable of seed and the sower is on all four Gospels. You know, things like this, there's some reason He's telling us this. But the word withered, I want to focus on this man with a withered hand. The word withered means just what you would think. If you had some flowers that you hadn't watered in the last six months and they're sitting out in the Louisiana summer, uh, they're going to be dry. It means to dry up, to shrivel, to pine away, or shrunken. So part of his body is this way. His hand is this way. That would involve the muscles and the, I'm sure the ligaments, tendons. Everything is literally withered away. It would be useless. In one of the Gospels it says it's his right hand. And so that would I'm sure be even more... Uh, problematic but Jesus commands the man to do two things 
And he told, tells them to stand forth or to stand up right here. They're in the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And he tells them to stand forth or to stand up. And basically to stand up in front of everyone. And this may have been difficult, but it was not impossible. It might have been difficult because there was probably a lot of tension in the air between Jesus and the, and the, uh, the Pharisees. Maybe, maybe the man's shy or whatever, but he commands him in the middle of church or in the middle of synagogue, stand up. Might have been hard to do, but it was not impossible, right? His legs weren't withered. He could stand up. Then he called him and said, now stretch forth thine hand. Now that was impossible for him to do. Stretch forth thine hand. It was withered, right? His hand was withered and useless. And it was impossible for him to do that. And I'm going to tell you tonight that God, this is what I believe the Lord is leading us. um, Because I believe He's stirring our church. I'm getting way ahead. But we've been talking about it really since our church started. And then I would say even more in the last uh, few weeks or months that the Lord is getting ready to move us on. Okay? From wherever we are as a church and from from wherever you are individually in your walk with God, it's going to be wonderful. It's going to be good. But we're going to start having to put our money where our mouth is, so to speak. We say we believe in this miracle-working God. And I believe God wants to do miracles through our lives. I, we say that we have a burden for our family or for people around us to come to know Jesus. Because the Lord certainly does, right? But He wants us to start being that instrument by which people come to know Him. Maybe they won't. That's up to them. Maybe they'll spit in our face. But you know, we can count it all joy for so persecuted the prophets which were before us. I just believe He's getting ready to stir us. Not that we're not serving God. Not that we're not being useful. I think right now, we're right where we're supposed to be. It's not a rebuke. I think He's getting us ready for what's next. It's for the young people. It's for the children. It's for the youth group. It's for the college and career. It's for the body of Christ. It's for this body of Christ. It's for me. Okay? And it's for you. And He often calls people to do things that are beyond them. Beyond us, right? Oftentimes. And we don't have to turn there, but, but there is a, a passage, and I'm just going to read some of the Scriptures. There was this king, after the kingdom was split, after, in a, after Solomon died, David's son, it was still united, but after that, uh, the kingdom was split of Israel between Judah and the northern and southern kingdoms. And Rehoboam was not a godly man. He was Solomon's son. He became king of that lineage of David over Judah. And then you had Jeroboam, who was a total uh, wicked person. I mean, the Bible describes him. The sins of Jeroboam. He he led people into a false worship. He, He set up a whole false system of worship and led people in it. It's interesting to read about him sometime. Well, God sends a prophet, a nameless prophet, in 1 Kings 13. And again, I'm just going to read the Scriptures to you if you want to study it sometime. We never know the name of the prophet. He's the one that ended up, uh, he disobeyed the Lord. After he obeyed the Lord, then he disobeyed the Lord. And a lion slew him on the, by the way. Wayside, an old prophet brought him home and buried him. But he, So this prophet goes in to confront Jeroboam. And he says, Behold, there came a man from God out of Judah by the word of the Lord unto Bethel. That's where Jeroboam was. 
And Jeroboam stood by the altar. You know, we're, we're doing our series on the altar to burn incense. He was not supposed to do that. It was very clear in the Levitical law that that was for the priest. He was David didn't do that. You understand what I'm saying? It was not for something. It was not something for, for him to just presume upon and step into that position. It has nothing to do with can you be close to God and worship God. But the Lord has an order. And that was for the priest to do. And Jeroboam stood and it just representative of how he was and uh, uh, careless about the things of God. And Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense. It came to pass when, the king, when King Jeroboam heard the saying of the man of God, and I'm skipping some because he pronounced a judgment upon that altar and upon Jeroboam. So when Jeroboam hears that, which he cried against the altar in Bethel, the king, Jeroboam, put forth his hand from the altar saying, lay hold on him. So he got some men around him. He points to the, to the prophet and says, lay hold on him. And it says, and his hand, which he put forth against him, dried up so that he could not pull it in again. And the king answered and said unto the man of God, Entreat now the face of the Lord thy God and pray for me that my hand may be restored again. And the man of God besought the Lord and the king's hand was restored again and restored to him again and became as it was before. So I just wanted to read that and tell that real quickly because when your hands withered like Jeroboam's was for just briefly, he could not. It says in the Bible, he could not pull it. His was different. The man's in the temple, the synagogue, his hand was withered and he couldn't stretch it out. The king had stretched forth his hand, Jeroboam, and, and God withered his hand like that and he couldn't pull it back in. But it was impossible for him to do it. And so, but God, Jesus tells the man in the synagogue, stand forth. He did that. He can do that. Then he says, stretch forth now thine hand. And again, the Lord calls us to do things not only that are difficult. We talk about that all the time. God wants to move us out of our comfort zone, right? He's going to put us with people that we're not comfortable with. He's going to put us in situations that we wouldn't be of our choosing, living conditions on a mission trip that is not at all the way you would want it to be. Uh, but He does way more than that. This is not just the point of God moving us out of our comfort zone. He's, he calls us often to do things that are plain old impossible apart from the Lord doing that. Just plain, it could not be done. It cannot be done apart from the Lord. And yet He's calling us to do it. And guess what? He expects us to do it. How does He expect us to do it? By faith in Him. You start reading in Hebrews 11 that everything that was done, Noah couldn't build an ark. Not like that. You understand what I'm saying? To get every living creature. And he certainly couldn't gather up two of every clean beast and everything like that to get on the ark. That's not a fairy tale. That really happened. Uh, Peter could not walk on the water. It's impossible for men to walk on water. And yet the Lord says, come forth. When Peter says, Lord, is that really you? If it's really you, bid me to come unto you. Come on, Jesus said. He's called him to do something that wasn't only out of his comfort zone or difficult or a stretch or pushing him a little bit or pulling him a little bit. He called him to do something that a man cannot do. And yet he did it. This is the God that we talk about. This is the God we preach about and we rejoice in. And God wants us to experience Him that way. 
We don't follow after signs and wonders. I'm not trying to make us a signs and wonders church. But the Bible does say that these signs shall follow them that believe. There are miracles that follow. Read in the book of Acts. There were plain old people like you and me that did miracles. And when Peter walked by, his shadow fell on people and they were healed. So I'm not saying that God wants to do that every, with every believer. My point is that they're normal people like you and I. Elijah was a man of like passions. The Bible says. And he prayed that it wouldn't rain. It didn't rain for three and a half years. Then the Lord says it's time for rain. I'm going to do it by your word, Elijah. Elijah prayed and the heavens gave the rain. That's impossible for a man to call down rain from heaven or to shut the heavens up. But the Bible says with men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. This is a simple sermon tonight, but I want us to understand that the Lord is stirring us on and moving us on in Him. Not some other way. Deeper in Him. The same way. Same what we, we profess and what's on our doctrinal statement. And what you teach your children. And what you teach in the children's Sunday school class. And what we profess day after day. It's that truth. To walk on in it by faith. Deeper in that faith. And so, um, He calls us to do things. He told this man, stretch forth your hand. And guess what he did, didn't he? The man stood up. That was one thing. Stand up in front of everybody. The next thing he said, stretch forth now thine hand. That was the whole problem. His hand was withered. Okay? Stretch forth now thy hand. And he did. He did do it. God healed him. He did it in response to his faith. He did it in response to his obedience. And there's that story that are found in the Bible of the ten lepers, right? And Jesus, when they came to Him, uh, they all wanted to be healed of the leprosy. Well, I guess so. So would I. There's no cure for it. They wanted to be healed for the, from their leprosy. And Jesus doesn't uh, touch them all and heal them real quick. He says, go show yourselves to the priest and offer that offering. You know, because there was an offering to be offered for if you're a leper. And the priest was the one that pronounced clean or unclean after they... You know, they had a specifics, read it in Leviticus, about how to determine if they were clean or not. Go show yourself to the priest and offer what Moses offered, I mean, commanded you to offer. And it says, as they went, what happened? They were healed. As they went, they were healed. He didn't just do it. He could have, and there many times he did. Alright? But he said, go show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were healed. We know the story. One of the ten returned to give glory to God and to praise Him. But the point is that Jesus commanded him to stretch forth his hand and, and expected him to do it. If he was going to be healed, I believe he needed to stretch forth his hand. There's a lot of times, y'all, it's just simple childlike faith and obedience. Lord, I can't do this. Moses said, Lord, I can't speak when he met the Lord of the burning bush. You're calling me to, to be basically like a captain, a leader, a captain of a movement and of a nation and to bring them out of bondage of another nation. So you're asking me to do it. I have a speech impediment. I'm slow of speech. He says, I cannot. And the, and the Lord got angry with him and said, he still loved him, but he didn't, he didn't change his plan. He said, who made your tongue, Moses? I'm going to be with your mouth, is what he told him literally. I'll be with your mouth. Okay, now do what I'm telling you to do. 
hey, look, I've got Aaron. He's going to help me. He speaks well. He can go with you as well. That's literally what he speaks well. Let him go with you. But he says, I'll be with your mouth. Moses did do it. You know, we struggle. We wrestle. It's a question of faith. It's a question of trusting in God. But if we're going to see the glory of God, we have to obey Him. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. He could have just walked up. Could have healed him before he died. We know the story. He waited four days. His body's decaying. The people are mourning at the tomb. It's a sealed up tomb. And uh, he comes way after the fact. Even then, he could have just done what he wanted to do, but he involved people. He involved Mary and Martha and said, roll the stone away. Said I not unto you, if you'd only believe, you'd see the glory of God. Do what I'm telling you. He didn't ask them to raise the dead. He said, roll the stone away. They rolled the stone away and Jesus spoke to the dead man and he came forth and he said, loose him and let him go. If we're going to see the, the, the works of God, we always want, why don't we see more miracles of God? I can't just give one pat little answer. I don't know. But I believe he's still a God of miracles. And I believe through my life it's because I don't expect him to. I don't look for him to. I expect today to be like yesterday, which is wonderful. And I love God and he loves me. But I expect today to pretty much be like yesterday and tomorrow to be pretty much like today. And God wants us to expect him for bigger things. Okay, and that's what this this word is about tonight. And so he commands him uh, to stand forth or to stand up. And and it says, uh, Stretch forth now thine hand, Jesus said, and he stretched out his hand, stretched it out, and his hand was restored, whole as the other. Obedience was rewarded. Obedience to the Lord is always rewarded. You might might not see it that exact moment, like our whole series on tithing. I don't believe necessarily I gave a hundred dollars to the missionary, so by nightfall or this time tomorrow I'm gonna have a thousand dollars. I don't believe that. But I believe if you live a life of giving tithing and offering and giving as God leads you to, you're going to have a lifetime of blessing and God taking care of you. I do believe that. Because I believe that's taught in the Scriptures. And so, uh, how many, how can anybody do what's impossible? How can anybody do what they can't do? I mean, the reality was, uh, he had a withered right hand. And you're telling me to stretch it out. That's what I've been trying to do for the last 20 years and I can't. It's withered up. But yet God said to do it. The Lord said to do it. I'm not telling you to be presumptuous and go write your own ticket with the Lord and ask God to come bless it. I'm asking, I'm talking to us about walking so closely with the Lord that we hear His voice. Like I always say on that particular day that Peter and John were going to the temple, it was not going to be like the date yesterday when they went to the temple to pray. This day, God wanted to heal the lame man. It was had to be carried and laid out there every day to beg. This day, he was going to do something different. But they had to hear his voice, right? Then when they heard his voice, they had to believe he's calling us to be part of this. Look on us. He took him by the hand, hand and he said, uh, you know, rise up and walk in the name of Jesus, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And so we have to not be presumptuous. We need to walk with the Lord hear His voice, but also we got to have the faith to believe and expect He can do that today. There could be a wreck on the interstate right here. And, and you're the first one on the scene. 
and you get there before the police or EMS or anybody, and God may want you to reach out, put your hands on that person that's dead in the car and raise them from the dead. Do I believe God can do it? Yes. Do you believe God can do it? I know that you do believe He can do it. But do we believe He'll use us in that way? Are we looking for Him to do that? I'm not saying you go down, go out to chasing ambulances and trying to make that happen. I'm saying we need to be led by the Lord. Wherever we are, we need to be that person of the impossible to be that uh, Christ in that place, so to speak. It's Christ in us and through us. But I want you to turn to Mark chapter 11. And this story, this account, is given in, I think, three of the Gospels as well. This is where Jesus was looking for fruit from the fig tree. He was hungry and didn't have any. And He cursed the tree. And they come back the next day and we'll pick up reading. Mark 11, verse 20. And in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. It was just the day before it was a healthy tree. It wasn't bearing fruit, but it was a healthy tree. This day it's dried up from the ground, from the roots, alright? And Peter, calling to remembrance, saith unto him, Master, behold the fig tree, which thou cursed is withered away. And Jesus answering said unto him, that's a question of faith. With the fig tree itself, there are sermons and lessons that can come about that. But here's one thing we know for sure. Jesus answering said unto them, have faith in God, period. For verily I say unto you, for whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and ye shall have them. I will be the first to say that's not the only passage in prayer. We have to take that passage and put it with other Scriptures we know about prayer to make the whole picture. But it is what it is. That is what He said. Okay, I'm not going to try to lessen it. I'm saying if we know, it says in 1 John, that we're praying according to the will of God, then we still need to pray by faith. Both of them. I need to pray according to the will of God. And I need to pray by faith, believing, not doubting where in my heart. And people say, oh, those are spiritual mountains. I believe we have spiritual mountains as well. I think he's talking about mountains, personally. It could be a spiritual mountain that's a mountain in your life or my life, or, or something in, in, that's not literally a mountain, it's a mountain to me. You understand that? I do, I believe that as well. But I, don't, I think he was talking about mountains, okay? And the point is here that it's faith. How can somebody do what they can't do? He says, have faith in God. How can, because what's impossible to men is possible with God. Not only can God do it, but He enlists us to be the ones that He does it through. You understand that He works through His people. He can do whatever He wants. We know He spoke through a donkey. Okay, He can do whatever He wants and He can push us aside and do whatever He wants without us. But He chose to do that. He chooses to do that. For as he is, so as he is, so are we in this world. That <clears throat> we see it time and time again. It's biblical. It's in the scriptures. 
He chooses people, enlists us into his service, and then empowers us to do what is otherwise impossible. Impossible for any man. But he does the impossible through people all the time. And he desires to do that. And we do it in his name. Okay? God's people uh, live a life. I believe it, it should be the norm of living a life that's impossible. Whole life being lived where the Lord's uh, doing things through, things through our lives that are impossible. We must obey Him and all. We have to obey Him by faith. There was a time where um, the, the lame man, another lame man, they cut the hole in the roof, you know, and they lowered the man down because there were so many people. We know the story. Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. Pharisees were mad at that. Who can forgive sins but God? And he knew what they were saying, but he also said, rise, take up your bed and walk. You understand what he's doing? He didn't just lay over there and silently touch the man and then walk off. He could have done that. There's nothing wrong if God had done that. I'm simply saying that's not what he did. He spoke to a lame man who was born lame and had to be carried everywhere he went. Had four friends or brothers that loved him and wanted him to be healed. They went to drastic measures to get him in the presence of the Son of God. And they got him there. But when they, when he, they got him there, Jesus told him his sins are forgiven. And then he says to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. He's commanding the man who's never walked to walk. Do it. Do it right now. This is not the power of positive thinking. This isn't Norman Vincent Peale. This is the power of Almighty God touching him and healing him and raising him from the dead. Rise, take up your bed and walk. He did. He that came in being carried by four, walked out, he was carried on a bed, walked out carrying his bed. Okay? He put it under his arm and headed out the door on his own two feet. But he did have to obey. The command was rise, take up your bed, and walk. And he did it. There's another, there's, the Bible's filled with scriptures like this. There's times when the multitudes that are listening to Jesus preach, and it's late in the day and they were hungry. There was no food around. And, and the disciples said, Lord, send them away that they can go find something to eat. He said, don't send them away. You give them something to eat. Well, it's impossible. We don't have enough food to give this many people to eat. 5,000 men plus women and children. A lot of people say it could have been about 20,000 total. All right, we don't have enough to feed a hundred, much less twenty thousand. It's impossible. But he commanded them, "You give them something to eat. You give them to eat." That's what he told them. And Jesus took the bread, blessed it, gave it to his disciples. They gave it to the multitudes. Everybody ate and was satisfied. They picked up the leftovers, twelve baskets full, one for each disciple. Okay, and so. We see this again and again in the Bible. Just listen to this scripture. You don't have to turn there. Matthew 5. You have heard that it has been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Listen to his commandments in this, right? I'm telling you, Jesus said, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. Pray for them which despitefully use and persecute you. That's impossible. You can try for a while, but you can't really do that. You cannot love your enemy. You can do loving things and pretend. And you can paint a smile on your face from here to here. But to love your enemy is impossible. But yet he's not asking you to do it. He's commanding, I'm telling you, love your enemy. Do good to those that persecute you and curse you and, and say things against you uh, falsely. Do good to them. 
It's impossible. It's impossible apart from the new life in Christ and actually Jesus living through me. It's not like, okay, teach me, Lord, and I'll run and go do it. It has to be the abiding of the Lord in us to do that. You understand? Greater is He that's in us. He. It's a person. It's the Lord that's in us than He that's in the world. Another one, just real quickly. And as you go, preach. Jesus is sending out men, disciples, in Matthew 10. As you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now He's going to give me more. Heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers. Cleanse the lepers? Really? Nobody can cleanse a leper. That's why they're dying out in the leper colony on the outside of town. That's why there's, they have to walk around and pass on the other side of the street 100 yards away or 100 feet away. There was laws to how far they had to be away. And they had to cry unclean, unclean, and cover them out and stay away from everybody. Else. And you're telling us go and preach? Well, we can do some preaching. Go and preach and heal the sick and cleanse the lepers and raise the dead. Cast out devils. Freely you have received. Freely give. They receive something from Almighty God. They receive something from Christ. They receive something by faith in Jesus. Everything He told them to do is impossible apart from Him. But He calls men to do the impossible. These aren't rare instances. This is all through the Word of God. And so, how can we do it? The Lord calls us to do it. And then... uh, to do these things and then, and then even more. He says, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. A cross represents death and it brings about death. And, and we say that's, and I'm quoting from a, a, a pastor, a book that I was just reading. He's, he's talk, taking, talking about taking up our cross and that's impossible. This is the one thing I absolutely cannot do. Our trouble is not our inability. Our trouble is our unwillingness. And I would say amen to that, Randy, to me. My trouble is not my inability because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's either true or it's false. We can decide right now. Yea, let God be true, but every man a liar. It's true, okay? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. My problem is not in my... In, in, my trouble is not my inability. My trouble is my unwillingness. My unwillingness to trust God and to obey the Lord. The commands that He gives that are commands to do things that are impossible, that are utterly beyond us or any human. Okay? The commands that He gives, it reveals, it reveals the root of the problem. The command reveals the root of it. And the cross, for example, take it up my cross, which we're commanded to take up, it demands death to myself. And we don't want to die. As believers, we don't want to, even as Christians, born again people, we don't want to die. Just wait until somebody offends you and see how you react or how I react. I've learned over the years to cover it very well with my expressions on my face, but in my heart, I'm furious about it. You understand what I'm saying? That was unfair. That was uncalled for. They don't know how much I love them and look how they're treating me. That was not true. And whatever, and we're, we're defending ourselves. But the cross wants the work to bring death to that. Okay? To bring death to that. Death to self. Death, death to self-love. Self-esteem. Um, recognition. Promotion. Comfort. The cross kills that. That's a good thing. 
Because what we're left with, if all that's dead, you can't touch a dead man, can you? But we're still living. We're dead to all that stuff, so you can't hurt me. You can spit upon me, you can pluck my beard out, you can do whatever you want, and you can, you know, but you can't touch me. Because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I'm not nearly there as young. I don't feel like I've scratched the surface of that. And yet we're commanded as believers. I know I'm saved, okay? And I know that I'm to get up every day, every day, deny myself, take up my cross, and follow him. Well, in following him, he's going to lead me in places I don't want to go. He's going to lead me in places that, uh, and put me in situations that I cannot. It has to be God. Has to be. Not 50 50. Has to be the Lord. And I have to be dead to myself in order for that to happen. The cross kills, it touches and exposes a self, and it doesn't spare it. It does not spare it at all. We often don't recognize our own uh, desires for self, that they're clinging on so tight. We think we've. We're way beyond that. Maybe some of y'all are, and I'm sure that some of y'all are way beyond me and that. And I don't mean that sarcastically. I mean that seriously. But we've got to bring ourselves before the Lord and cast those things down at the foot of the cross. Like one time when you're saved, but then daily getting up and living it too. There's that one big time where you come and say, Come into my heart, be my Lord and Savior, I give you my life. And we mean it as much as we can mean it. Sincerely by faith, we give our life to Jesus. But that life is a new life now, and it's going to be Christ in me. And that Christ life is constantly, not unending, going to be trying to bring death to this, this man. That old man of Adam has to go. Okay? It has to go that Christ may be all in all. He wants us to bring us a place where we trust Him and allow Him to really do that in our, in our hearts and lives. Amen? And He can do it. It's the only way that you and I can experience um, and walk with Christ fully the way He intends for us to. I think there is a walk with the Lord that's way beyond what I've, I've ever known. I know that there is. It's way beyond what I've ever known. And you start maybe seeing a little bit with some of the apostles or Elijah. And that's why people like this, uh, uh, I love to read about them and study their lives and so forth. And it doesn't make me uh, depressed, you know, because they're so far beyond me. It does make me take account and say, you're not nearly what you think you are, Randy, in the Lord. And what you could be. And God wants to get us there. Because there is a resurrection life to be lived, not in my doctrine and my theology, but in reality, if I'm dead to myself, then Christ can fully live through me without any kind of hindrance. And God has to help us. I'm quoting from uh, this man named Ellie Maxwell. This is, this is not the not current Maxwell. This man lived in the late 1800s in a book about the cross I was reading. And he says, your hand is withered so you cannot, it's a question, you, your hand is withered so you cannot hand out a tract? He goes, may your real trouble be that you're ashamed of Christ? Might that be my, my real problem? My hands are fine. 
I don't want to hand out a track because I don't want to be embarrassed. I do hand out tracks sometimes. And I do witness to people. But the real problem is not a withered hand. The real problem is I don't want the consequences and the feedback that's going to come from it. But a dead man doesn't care about that. Dead man. You think about what our Lord endured for us on our behalf. You know, you know your trouble is not your hand, Maxwell says. Stretch out your hand. That's what the Lord told the man. With the withered hand, stretch out your hand. And through your hand, God seeks to touch your heart. Your heart. Yeah, He, want to he wants to touch a lot of other people as well. But He wants to touch your heart. And so that, that cross, we talk about take, take up our cross and die unto ourselves. It speaks death to self. And our Savior doesn't accept compromise. He's not going to make a deal with you. You know that. Aren't you glad that He's not? He can't be bought off or paid off. He, he's, he's not making deals. He says, come and die. And I'm going to live through you and it's going to be glorious. And it's going to be wonderful. And I'm going to do things through your life and through that withered hand that's too afraid to hand out a track that you wouldn't believe. But we sit back and we don't. Jesus told the rich young ruler, do this and thou shalt live. He didn't do it though, did He? We told Him, take all your possessions, sell it, take the money, give it to the poor, come and follow Me, you'll have riches in heaven. You'll have treasures in heaven. Do this and thou shalt live. It was He didn't do it, did He? He didn't do it. And He walked away the same way that He came to the Lord in the first place. Do this and you'll be surprised at the strength that God will pour through your hand or through your life. Through your poor withered hand as Maxwell put it. You cannot testify of Christ before that person or in that society or that circle of friends. God wants you and me to die to ourselves and stretch out that poor withered tongue that's in our mouth. And we cannot do it. And right there, confess the Lord Jesus Christ before men. He wants us to do that. Do this and now to live. Do what I'm telling you to do. It's going to bring death to that old man, but it's going to bring the life of Christ living through you fully. It's for Christ's sake and for His glory, but it's also for your and my spiritual well-being. It's for the purposes and plans that God wants to work through our lives as well. Step out and open your mouth in obedience to the Lord. This is how we by faith embrace the cross. This is how we come to the cross and we don't despise it. We understand its purpose. And it may be painful in a lot of areas, but the Lord's not going to ever leave us or forsake us. Self's got to die. I'll give you a quick story. I remember reading a, a true story. D.L. Moody was uh, ministering to a man and was struggling with uh, he's very wealthy, and, and but he worked hard for it and so forth, and he believed my, what's mine is mine, and he was hanging on to it. And the Lord, he was a believer, but he, the Lord was testing him in that area. A generous heart and giving spirit. And there was a poor man coming by his house, and this man had a bunch of 
stored up food. He had like smoked meats and stuff hanging in a smokehouse behind his house. So this man comes and he's poor and obviously poor, not having nice clothes or anything. He's asking for a plane and simply for a handout. And so the man knows he's being tested by God. So he says to the, the poor man, wait right here. I'm going to go get something for you and be right back. And the whole while, while he's walking back to his smokehouse, the devil is saying to him, give him, give him the smallest one you got. Give him the smallest little piece of meat you got hanging up there. Satan's telling him that. And he realized it was Satan. He goes, you better shut up, Satan. I'm going to give him everything in the smokehouse. In other words, he was, there's, a, there's vengeance on that. Where he turned it around. And we died to ourselves and we let God pour through us. Into us and through us. And there's a life that comes from that. And it's a wonderful way to live. The devil's going to be defeated, at least in that thing, in that area. Because there's no place for him anymore. It's all God's. I've already given it to him, Satan. So, whatever. The, the poor man wants it all, and God tells me to give it all. I'll give every one of them to him. It's, it's not mine anyway. It's the Lord's. I deserve hell, and God has spared me. We say, anywhere but there, Lord, don't send me there. Self could go all kinds of other places, but don't send me there. And Rice says our powerless, our Maxwell says our powerlessness in the face of his command is plain disobedience. Now, I'm bringing this to a close. It's plain old disobedience. I can't send me anywhere but there. I can't go there. It's plain disobedience. That's what it is. It's disobedience. And so stand upon your feet, the Lord told the man and, uh, the, with the withered hand. And he tell, you know, my feet won't carry me there, God, I can't go there. And he's saying, rise up, take up your bed and walk. And, and when we do that, we find his strength and his power poured through our lives. God calls us to do things that a man can't do, but it's by faith in him. Marching around walls and shouting doesn't make them collapse like the walls of Jericho fell. But people walking in, in obedience to God, believing in the Lord to do that because He said that's what He was going to do. That's a different story. They did it. They marched around the city. Don't say a word until I give the command. Then they shot. For God has given us the city on the seventh day. And the walls fell flat. It was impossible. It's still impossible. God does the impossible. He did it through people. Okay, the walls fell flat, but we have to die to ourselves to get to, to a place where we step out. It's not a risk. It's a it's a place of faith and knowing I've heard from God. Oh, what if I get out there and God doesn't do it? Well, then you would look at that as a risk. Okay, but I don't believe it's a risk when God has spoken. Stretch forth your hand when the Son of God said to the man, "Stretch forth your hand." When Peter and John said, look on us, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And the man rose up and walked. When Jesus said to the other lame man, rise, take up your bed and walk. It's not a risk. It's obedience. Okay? And every one of them, every one of them, Peter walking on the water, the Lord came through. They rolled the stone away. Lazarus was raised. Every one of them. It's not a risk. It's stepping out by faith. Our obedience to our Savior, even when He's called us to do the impossible, is necessary if we're going to go on with Him. I'm just closing with this thought, y'all. Again, talking about our church and why I think the Lord 
led me to this tonight. We're about to start a time of prayer and fasting. We're about to have our vision meeting. We're about to start into some new ministries. I think they're just, uh, they're not little things. Going to the nursing home once a month is not a little thing. God could turn that into something huge. There could be revival. The staff could all get saved over there. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to limit what God can do. Or what can He do in me by me going? Changing me. I don't care for these old people. They scare me. They look creepy, you know, and they're, you know, whatever. And yet God changes me and gives me a love for them and a compassion for them. You understand what I'm saying? That God does that. And so uh, He wants to bring us beyond where we are for sure, beyond where we are, but also to just things that are for His glory, things that are beyond any man. They were beyond Peter and John and Paul. They were beyond Elijah. They were beyond Moses and Joshua. The works that he, the things that He called them to do and commanded them to do were beyond anybody. And yet, obedience and faith and obedience or faithful obedience produced a reward to that where God blessed. He received the glory. The men, or the, men the women, whoever was used were strengthened. As believers, we all need to keep pressing on and progressing or we're going to wither. Talked about a fig tree that was cursed and withered, and we talked about a hand that was withered. We need to grow or wither. We don't stay. It's not stagnant. This is not stagnant life. It's a life that is never stagnant. It's progressing or, you know, digressing. And so we have to keep moving on with the Lord. And that moving on for us, for me, and for y'all, and us as a church, is going to be to. Put God to the test and put God... You know, the Lord says, try me. He's not afraid of being put to the test. Again, not presumptuous, but according to His Word, among His people, by faith. I remember, and I'll just close with this, and um, I've shared this before, but I remember when I had just really surrendered fully to the Lord... And I shared it, so y'all excuse me, but um, I'm in my last semester at LSU. I've got finals, and my finals are, I'm right in the midst of my finals. So I'm studying, sitting up in the bed, studying. I just sold out to the Lord completely. I believed it. I believed all of it. And, and I got sick. I got real sick, like fever, chills, shaking. You know you're sick. This is not just I got a headache. This is like something coming over me bad. And I didn't call anybody or talk to anybody. I hopped right out of bed. I got on my knees beside the bed and I said, Lord, Your Word says You're a healer. That's what it says right here. I'm in the middle of final exams. I cannot be sick right now, Lord. I don't have time. I can't be sick and study. I can't even function like this. Feeling like I'm feeling. I need You to heal me. And Your Word says You're a healer. Please heal me. And he touched me to heal me and I got back in bed and kept rolling. I don't remember what grades I got, but that wasn't the... It was just putting the Lord and standing upon His Word and trusting God and believing God. It was gone. The chills were gone. The fever was gone. Everything was gone. Sat back in bed, cracked the books, and kept going. It was a test for me. I know it was. It was a real sickness, but He's a real healer. And it was a real test for me early on 
in my faith and in my walk do you become? But the Lord is telling us, I'll just close with this little phrase. He wants us to stand forth like He told the man in the synagogue. We open in Mark chapter 3. Stand forth. Now stretch forth your hand. Okay? And that's just going to be a symbolic of Him calling us into what He has for us. Not even necessarily a new ministry. This might be new for you and me. Not a new position or a new title. A new walk with God. In your workplaces, in your family, in your home, out in the Walmart. A new walk with God. May birth new ministries. New things might come out of it. Okay? But I can tell you, He's wanting us to do that. I know He is. He's wanting me to do that. And, and you can say, well, I've done that. I've done some. I've cast out. The Lord used me to help cast a demon out one time at the prison. You know, uh, I know of other people I pray for on the, in Honduras that were healed when we pray. God has done that. But it's not my practice. And I think God would want it to be more of our practice. I don't compare to, to many of y'all or many other Christians that I know. The point is, I'm not to compare myself to any of that. I just know that He's stirring us on and directing this body that it's, it's, it's more. Not a new direction. It's just right here from Genesis to Revelation. Still within the confines of this. But walking it out and believing it and believing God and then seeing the results of that. But I can't hand out a track. Yes, you can. Your hand's just fine. Trust me. Stick it out there. And you'll find strength you didn't know you had. Amen? So Father, we just come before You tonight in Jesus' name. And